0: We be do mm. go here. Go ahead! Go ahead, Mike!
1: I thought he was all right. Get him back in this spot. Good luck.
2: Good luck. Take a look. Take a look. G'day
1: and welcome to another Green and Gold Rugby podcast, it's Matt Rowley here, I've got Scott Allen, mate, how are you?
0: Mate, I'm really good, and you?
1: Yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm just, ah oh, the excitement, I mean, we've been going on about this since even the tour, before the tour started, um, it was already high, but now with what's, the bombshells that have been dropped today, it's just kind of ratcheted it up, and to talk about those bombshells, uh, we've got a guest,
2: all the way from the Emerald Isle, uh, Murray Kinsella, mate, how are you? I'm not too bad. I'm I'm pretty much in shock, guys. Uh, <laughs> a little bit of feeling of sickness, really, to be honest with you. I'd say it'll, it'll take me the full day, maybe even two days to get over this. But um, yeah, thanks for having me on. No, it's good to have you, mate. Because I mean, we've um, come across you because of uh, the great analysis work you've been doing. Yeah, thanks very much. I've been trying to get stuck in, all right? It's it's obviously the biggest time of the year for, for Roby, so I've been trying to get, uh, get involved and get people talking about Roby a bit more.
1: Yeah, no, you've been doing a great job, and I know Scott's been looking at your stuff. Um, but look, let, let, let's, let's cut to the chase. So we've had a, a series of announcements this afternoon, Australian time, or um, I guess early morning uh, European time, um, about squads. And the one that we know for sure is the Lions squad because they announced it. Um, the Wallabies one has seemed to have been leaked yet again the day before, um, which has been a trend throughout this whole series. It's not officially announced till tomorrow, but so far all of these leaks have been kosher, so I guess we can go with those. But let's go with what, you know, let's go with the known knowns shall we? Um, Which is that, uh, and and the headliner is that, I mean, I was going to say, though, it must be a double whammy, because, you know, it's not just Brian O'Driscoll, but it's also Jamie Heaslet. But let's talk about that first man, I think everybody was expecting Brian O'Driscoll would probably be captaining the Lions this weekend in what will surely be his last appearance or would have been his last appearance. And he's left out of the team. I mean, how is the country
2: surviving, Murray? Uh, I mean, as well as the shock, there's genuine anger really here. Yeah. And uh, much of that is obviously directed at Warren Gatland. And his, the fact that he's chosen 10 Welsh guys as well has not gone down too well here at all. Mm-hmm. But obviously, just, just leaving out O'Driscoll, I mean, he's he's our hero and he's our greatest player of all time, arguably. And, um, it's just, it's, it's hard to understand on rugby terms and in terms of what you mentioned, him possibly having been chosen as the captain of the team. Uh, it's, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense really because I mean, the centers haven't seen a lot of the ball in test two, especially. Um, but O'Driscoll put in a massive shift in defense. He was everywhere. He was working harder than anyone I thought on pitch mm. and, uh, he just, he just doesn't deserve to be dropped, in my opinion, and the opinion of nearly everyone in Ireland. Mm. So I, I
1: thought you did a really... Uh, I mean, it's, it's only a, a, not even two minutes long, but um, your latest piece of analysis, maybe, you know, you know uh, with some prescience, was looking at um, O'Driscoll and, and how he's been working together with Davies. And I, I didn't think you kind of said it so much, but it really did seem to say that, you know, maybe O'Driscoll is carrying the can here for... Um, Davies not being able to, you know, adjust to the twelve role and or playing with him.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did the video yesterday before we'd heard anything about this, but yeah, that that is definitely my opinion on the on the few examples that I showed. I think I think Davies hasn't been on the same wavelength as O'Driscoll. The first example was where O'Driscoll just wanted him to run a hard line off him, just like Jamie Roberts did in two thousand nine, mm. and then for the try, I mean, it was it was clear that O'Driscoll was telling him to push. He's, he was telling him, "I have, I have jock marked. You push on to Ashley Cooper." But Davies just didn't trust him. I mean, you can definitely see it from a different point of view. You could, I mean, I had a few. Uh, I put the video on YouTube, so I had a few um, dissenters on there. Obviously Welsh, and they're saying that look, Davies is in a bad position because he just doesn't trust uh, O'Driscoll. That O'Driscoll's lost his pace. That, that O'Driscoll should have released that pass when there was a three-on-two down the left. Mm-hmm. But. From where I'm standing, yeah, it's definitely been a case of O'Driscoll suffering not only from playing with Davies in the centre, but also from the game plan that the Lions have, have been using. Mm-hmm.
1: So, and, and Scott, I'll bring you in here. I mean, what's what's your read on all of this? I think, I think you were saying, with that in mind, you, you can at least see where Gatlin's thinking
0: might be. Well, I was shocked when mm. I heard. I, I mean, I, I just thought someone was having a lend of us. But having gone back through and, and sat down and thought... Why would he possibly, how could he possibly justify this? And and I look at it and say, effectively, Gatlin's reputation's on the line here. Um, and he's got to a point, this is what I'm trying to think his way. I'm sitting there saying, yes, O'Driscoll and Roberts were tremendous in 2009 together. But do I gamble on whether or not they can rekindle the old magic you know, straight away, or it's going to take them a couple of games to get into it. I don't have a couple of games. I know that, you know, in the combination of Roberts at 12 and Davis at 13, they play together so much, there's more chance that I'll get them to click straight away than putting O'Driscoll and Roberts together. And I'm going to go with what I know. That's the only thing I can think of. But in terms of form, I mean, you can't justify it. I really don't understand how you justify it. I think they needed School there as captain. Um, look, I, I think he, he's made a big mistake.
1: Hmm. Okay. So, well, I, you know, I think that would be most people. I mean, what I haven't heard many people doing is is, is actually arguing Davies' case, except for a couple of people who said, look, he's, he's not a 12. Um, but I, I, I'm not really sure how that necessarily kind of uh, counters the whole argument. Um,
0: well, I think, yeah, I think you have to be have to look back further in the tour. When Mm. he was playing 13 earlier in the tour, he was in good form. Mm. And, you know, we talked on the podcast about how well he'd been playing and how, you know, even if Roberts had been fit, there might have been a possibility that Davis had took the spot anyway because Roberts hadn't been playing that well. But that was at 13. In the two test matches, I think he's been poor. So he's not in form at 12. Mm. You have to say that. So... Is he going to be in form at 13? Who knows? And as I said, I, I think he's got in because Roberts is there and he's looking at the partnership, not, not individually. He's just saying, look at the two of them together. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, so the other one which... So, well, actually, before we move on from that, Murray, you know, have you got any... What's the, what is the? kind of the reaction there from the press and things like that? Have you got any choice quotes or, or rants
2: that, have kind of, that you've stumbled across? Yeah, I mean, there was a bit of stuff that was pretty, uh, pretty uh, angry outpouring from Keith Wood this morning on BBC Radio 5 Live. And he just, yeah, he said, he said basically this is a terrible mistake from Gatland. Mm. Uh, he brought the captaincy thing into it. He said, um, he said he's been uncomfortable throughout the tour whenever Gatland has spoken about the captaincy. And he said that he's tried to depower the captaincy. Yeah. And uh, Wood, Wood highlights the example of Martin Johnson being his captain on two lines tours. And he said that, the leadership of the captain is probably the most important thing about the line. So, I mean, that's pretty strong stuff. Um, I'm looking at Brendan Fanning. He was in the Irish independent and he said, he said it's a brave call and it's a, you know, it takes a lot of ball for him to do that regardless of the fallout. Mm. But uh, he thinks, yeah, he thinks Gallon is on the wrong track and he thinks it might completely derail the line. Um, I was just reading Rob Carney, the Irish fullbacks uh, column in the independent this morning, which was <laughs> kind of badly timed because he actually said his, his article is basically about this week being all about sending Brian O'Driscoll off on a fairy tale ending. And I thought that was pretty, pretty shocking that even someone within the line squad didn't have an idea that O'Driscoll was going to be dropped. And that, that kind of speaks volumes about how shocking a decision it is really.
1: Mm. No, it has shocked. I know, I know you heard that uh, uh, interview with Keith Woods as well, Scott,
0: yeah, I went and listened to that before we came on tonight, and, and he doesn't pull any punches. So it's it's really yeah, uh, and, and I saw a comment on Twitter that you know it's sort of split the Lions to a certain extent between countries. With you know before it was all about we've got to pull together, we've got to win this. To now, you know it's become there's ten in the world, ten Welsh in the starting lineup. It's you know it's a Welsh captain again, and it's all it's sort of you know a very fragmented um, Lions approach today.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean that's a, it's a historical point, isn't it? I think, um, I think this is the what the most of from one country in a Lions group since something like 1950, um, when there was another 10 Welsh, and I think the only other time where it's been more than that was in 1888, and I think there was 12 Englishmen or something like that. Um, you yeah, that was back when they were still playing um, Aussie rules and things. So, um, you know, kind of prehistory. So, I mean, it's 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 a pretty unusual thing, and I. I guess that's the other bit that you talk about. You make a point there as well, Scott, is that you know, even when it comes down to the captaincy, he's then shifted that on to you know, yet another Welshman. I guess you can say that there's a bit of um, symbolism in there. You know, has, is it Alan Wynne-Jones because of the, you know, the, the, this IRB tussle that's been going on? Um, you know, are they trying to make a statement there? But um, it's a biggie. But the other bit, which has got to be, I mean, I haven't heard many people talking about it, um, but the other one has got to be salt into the wound. It's got to be Jamie Heaslip, who's also just completely dropped off the face
2: of the, the, the world here. Is
1: anyone talking about
2: that, Murray? Uh, not really. I mean, that's been kind of buried in the, the outrage over O'Driscoll. There hasn't been much discussion out at all. But I definitely think, you know, in my opinion, that Heaslip was pretty good, especially in the first test. He was. I thought he had an excellent game. I thought he got through a lot of work. In the second test, maybe it was a bit quieter, but I thought he, was, I thought he had done enough to keep his place. Um, I mean, the the lack of outrage over that in Ireland is probably because he's quite a divisive player here in Ireland. I mean, right. lots of Irish fans aren't, aren't big fans of him. So I don't think, you know, everyone's united behind O'Driscoll, but there's probably Irish fans that would rather have seen Falate on the team as well. Oh, okay. All Well, I mean, and let's talk about that.
1: So, I mean, it, it has been a real um, kind of called it a Welshification of, of the team. but um, So obviously we've got Jamie Roberts coming back in. And, and I don't think that surprised anybody as far as if Jamie was going to come back, um, that he would take that 12 position. And we've talked about many times on this podcast, um, and Scott's written about it, how important he is to the Gatlin game plan. Um, but then So he's come in at 12, um, but then what they've done is moved Davies out to 13, um, or Davis out to 13. Um, and then not even moving to the bench, um, actually uh, for a Driscoll, you've actually got um, uh, yeah, two a um, who comes onto the bench to, to cover that, those positions. So, a Driscoll completely gone. Uh, other changes that we're looking at then, um, in the back row, uh, obviously, because Warburton's out, so coming in at seven, we've got Sean O'Brien. So I guess that's a something um, f- for the Irish fans. But then, as we just said, his lip's also gone. So that leaves room for Toby Fellatau. Um, and then at nine, um, Ben Youngs is gone. He's completely out of the whole team. Um, so Mike Phillips is back at nine. And then at two at hooker, um, we've got, uh, Tom Youngs, he's gone to the bench and we've got Richard Hibbard in. Um, so, you know, that's, there's some pretty strong moves. Um, and then, you know, as we said, and then on the bench, you've got Justin, uh, Tipperick who's in there, um, as well, another Welsh, another Welshman. So, it's, there's there's quite a lot of Welsh running through that squad, Scott. I mean, maybe it, it talks to you. I mean, as this tour has gone on, is, is this where Gatlin has been drifting towards? Is this, his, you know, is this his happy place, his comfort zone?
0: Well, I think he started the tour looking at the experienced players. And at the end of the day, the last two tests, they haven't played well. The Lions have not played anywhere near their best. So, you know, he had, he had a choice. He's either going to go and keep the faith... With as much as he could. Roberts was always going to come in, I thought. Um, I thought Phillips was always going to come in. I thought Ben Youngs was terrible in the second test. Um, obviously, somebody had to replace Warburton, and I, I think he gets that right with O'Brien. Um, front row, corbazero comes in for Wernipola. I thought that was always on the cards. And Hibbard coming in, I think that strengthens their scrum significantly. Mm. They've now got a much better front row. But he then had to look at it, really, and say... Well, do I go again, roll it again, same sort of team, make minimal changes, and hope they pull together, or do I throw in something I know, which, as you say, is you know essentially a Welsh team with a few other players in there? I mean, I must say I was I was surprised with Heaslip, um, but I'm not totally shocked there. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see Falautau, you know, where he might have a role. What I will say though is, I reckon overall the team, apart from O'Driscoll it looks a much, much better Lions side because I think it's more positive. Mm-hmm. And, and even things down to to Alagi on the bench. I mean, he can't cover many positions, but when you bring him on, I think he's going to make some impact. Mm. Um, I mean, Tipperick on the bench to come on, mm. I think he's going to make a big impact. Um, I, I, Sean O'Brien starting is, I think, a real positive for the Lions. As I said, I think their front row looks really good. Um, I think the, the halfback issue they had to fix I'm actually surprised Connor Murray didn't start Um, I thought I was almost convinced that he might get a run Um, I certainly thought Ben Youngs would be out but look to me it looks like overall it's a it's a much more aggressive attacking um, type of team and I saw somebody had made the comment this week that they played the second test not to lose it well this doesn't look like a team that's sent out not to lose it this looks like a team that he's going to say have a crack and I'll take some risks, and I don't mind if you take some risks.
1: So, so Murray, can you? I don't know. you know, Trying to look past Brian O'Driscoll's um, omission, which must be tough for an Irishman. Yeah. But if if you can, for a minute, you know, what's your what's your take on the
2: team, and what do you think this means that what Gatlin's looking to do? Yeah, I mean, tired to look past O'Driscoll, but but I do agree with a lot, a lot of what Scott has said there. Yeah, I mean, it's a team which looks to have more just. Big ball carriers, you know, Brian, Roberts, out there, guys that are gonna get them over the game line more consistently, consistently, which has been a bit of a problem for them. Um yeah, nine, I was you know, Mike Phillips obviously had a poor first test and he seems to be carrying that knee injury, but but I think yeah, Gallon's put a put a lot of trust in him there and he's gonna expect a massive performance. So I think Phillips will come up with something big. Uh Murray Murray's un, unlucky to lose out. Uh the front row, yeah, I agree with Scott it looks like our strongest strongest options there especially at scrum time uh Vunipola obviously had a bit of trouble last time out but it looks a lot more solid and um yeah i'm happy enough with the bench is going to have a big part to play late on i think and uh yeah Tipprich on the Tipprich on the bench is is definitely a good option because that is one one slight area of worry for me is the is the breakdown particularly if George Smith is back in as has been suggested because you know o'brien he's he's good at the breakdown but I'm sure he's going to be busy carrying a lot of ball and fallate as well, similar enough, so they're going to miss maybe he slip in that regard, I think because he does a lot of work there at the breakdown, so maybe maybe a slight area of worry
1: well, I mean the other bit is you know you missing uh a Driscoll. he's got pinged for it a bit, but um you know he is a, he is a menace um at at the breakdown defensively so um, you know, that's, that's kind of almost like an, an extra fetcher that kind of goes uh, with him. So, you know, th- that kind of plays into what you're saying. But I think what you're saying there is actually a perfect segue into what we believe is the big changes in the Wallabies. So the way it unfolded today was the first leak was around the fact that uh, Ben McCalman um, was going to be added to the bench as cover. Um, and that was kind of all we knew. And so then people started trying to extrapolate what that might mean. Um, so far, Deans has only been playing um, uh, you know, one back rower and one second rower on the bench. So I think a lot of people then assumed, well, that must mean that there's no way that Smith could be in. But then the news came later in the afternoon. Um, and like I say, none of this has been officially confirmed. But again, the leaks have been fine so far. So I think we're assuming it's right. Is that actually George Smith is starting. So George Smith is st- starting this third test Um, at seven. Um, Ben McCallmon's on the bench. Michael Hooper is also on the bench, um, um, along with Rob Rob Simmons, um, who has been uh, throughout the series. So it's quite a big call. Scott, it's something that we've been talking about for a while, that um, George Smith always seemed to be in Robbie's plans. um, And we were sort of surprised he didn't play a a role last week, but he's certainly leapfrogged the queue here, hasn't he? Um, He's going to be starting.
0: Yeah, and look, we talked about it the other night on the podcast. I think it's, it's a move they had to make. Hooper is just not strong enough at the breakdown to combat what the Lions threw at them early last week. I know the Lions couldn't sustain it for 80 minutes. They ran out of puff, and, and as I said the other night, it was just a weight of possession that would have worn any team out, actually. Um, but early on, the Lions blew the Wallabies away at the breakdown in that second test, and Hooper's not the answer to a breakdown battle. Um, i I think he 's a good bench player in terms that he 'll come on and he can add some spark towards the end um, so then you come down to Smith or Gill and if as everyone speculates robbie dean 's neck is really on the line in this test um, if it were me i 'd go George Smith as well so yeah. that that makes sense to me yeah
1: and and I mean Murray from your, your perspective looking from a across the pond is is you know does is Smith addition something that you kind of um, you think makes them a stronger proposition or or not
2: yeah in my opinion certainly it makes them stronger uh i don't know it depends really on how much super rugby rugby you've been watching this season because he's an absolutely brilliant so if you've seen him playing for the brumbies you know that he's going to add a lot to the wallabies um i i kind of i expected more from hooper to be honest um i don't think he's been at his best and as scott said uh, he didn't really get a grip on the breakdown um, I think Liam Gill's really unlucky to miss out, but, but having Hooper on the bench to add that, that kind of carrying impact late on mm. is definitely an advantage. S- Smith is just, he's a phenomenon, isn't he? Like We're, we're talking about Driscoll as our, as our kind of hero almost over here, and George Smith is something similar. Just the longevity of his career and the, the, the high standard he's maintained has been has un- unbelievable, really. Mm. I think, yeah, I'm really worried about the effect that he's going to have on the breakdown in particular, but I mean, he he does it all. Really, he's going to add a lot to the Wallabies, I think. Yeah. Now, and I think he just
1: brings that that presence, someone to play behind as well. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, and then also in the eyes of those guys lining up against him, you know, because uh, you know he you know he would have you know being back th- you know being there in two thousand and one when these guys were probably most of those guys were what maybe thirteen or fourteen. Watching yeah. him um, help the Wallabies to a victory back then, you know, it's for me. It's like you know that the whole Shane Warne effect in cricket. Um, you know, yes, he was a good player, but the, it was a lot of it was also the aura he has, and I think obviously Smith has that. Um, so which he brings with him, and as well as his experience, the thing that's probably got um, you know in the post we put up that has these two teams. I think most people are saying, "Wow, that's a really solid Wallabies 15, and one of the best that we've probably seen for a while. Um, I think that though that probably where people have still got these question marks is around Ben McCalman. Uh, what do you think? You know, because and I say that because you know people are talking about how um, both uh, Hugh McMillan and then also um, uh, Peter Kimlin um, have had very good seasons and have been making big impact, and obviously neither of them getting chosen here. Um, and, and actually, both of them probably show, offering more versatility, um, being able to cover Locke. Um, what do you think Robbie's thinking is there, Scott, as far as McCalman making it?
0: i got no fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, you reckon there's, if you reckon there's outrage in Ireland about O'Driscoll, can I tell you in these four walls that I'm sitting in, there is more outrage about McCalman. Uh. This is the single worst selection decision Robbie Deans has ever made. <laughs> and there are two reasons for it. Yep. One is, yes, how he could possibly pick McCallman over Kimlin or uh, Hugh McMenamin is beyond me. Mm. I cannot work that out at all. I can't even start to try and justify it. But the second reason, which is, I think, even more damaging, is he's going for a 6-2 bench, Mm. And on the bench backs reserves, we have a halfback and we have a fullback who plays winger. Tell me this. What happens if Adam Ashley Cooper gets injured, if his shoulder plays up? Mm. There is not one single person in the 23 who I can actually say to you has ever played 13 at professional rugby level. Mm. So what are we going to do? Mm. I well, mean, it's just ludicrous.
1: Well, mate, well, mate you know... Um, uh, Michael Hooper's been getting a bit of centre experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, that worked really well. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, who else? Yeah, who else no, else no I'm with you there. Nick I'm Phipps. Yeah. Nick Phipps at 13, I reckon.
1: Oh, yeah. No, oh, it... no,
0: everyone wanted Israel Folau at 13. That might be the great master plan. Yeah. Well, I mean... There's, no one, in, there's no one who has played 13 that I'm aware of professionally. Yeah. And, and that's... A, 13 is the hardest position on the whole field to defend just with the way it lines up, and we're going to throw, if we have to, if if Ashley Cooper's shoulder gets another knock on it, we're going to throw someone in who I'm not aware has ever played there before, and it could cost us the whole thing.
1: Mm. It's amazing. It's, it
0: just, it's just beyond belief to me. Mm.
1: So what you're saying there is actually the, the, the biggest one is not actually... hasn't really got anything to do with who Ben McCalman is. It's just the fact that it's the 6-2. Coming back to who Ben McCarman is... I. The only – it's been a big – I think this has been a bit of a a wrangle with people for a while. The the only thing that I remember, though, last time McCallman was getting a bit of a run with the Wallabies, which must have been back in – was it 2010, 2010, 2011? Um, Was his work rate. Wasn't that the thinking that, you know, he he offered a lot of work rate?
0: Mate, last time I remember him playing for the Wallabies was 2011. He was the backup seven. And he played against Ireland in the Rugby World Cup.
1: Mm, that went well.
0: Yeah, they did. That went really well. <laughs> look, I, I've got nothing against the guy. He's, he's a reasonable player. Yeah. Um, played for the Wallabies. Got some experience. Hasn't been in bad form this year. Hasn't been in as good a form as uh, Kimlin or McMenamin. Mm. Um, Kimlin offers, and and look, with George Smith in the squad, here's the thing about needing players that you know can play different positions. He can play six, seven, or eight. Mm. George, George Smith is a genuine, one of the few players in the world who is a genuine option across the whole back row. So you've got flexibility. Um, you've got a lock on, you know, on the bench in Simmons. You could have changed around that way. But how can, you, how can we possibly justify that McAlbin is going to have more impact than McMenamin or Kimlin? Mm. Forget the other options. Forget the injuries. Those guys are both in the squad. They've both been in really good form uh, I know McMenamin was out injured, but he was in good form when he came back. So even if you discounted McMenamin and you said, look, McCalman's had more game time, I don't see how you can discount Kimlin.
1: Well, it was a it was a strange one because actually both of those two, uh, Kimlin and uh, McMenamin, have actually been in the squad longer than McCalman, have they not? I think McCalman okay. got drafted in, was it last week? So, um, no. you know, so it's not like he was kind of there training. He's been, you know, um, you know, training the house down and and, uh and and forcing his way in i mean he he was kind of like the last forward to kind of get drafted in so it's it's a bit it's a bit i
0: I haven't had a chance to get online and look at it has anybody come up with a justification for mckelman of any description
1: no and and it's it's um well hang on well the place you want to go obviously is uh is you know is fairfax and um and rugby heaven so you know if you want to know the inside of Robbie Dean's mind for what there is that's where you'll find it um I haven't seen it I guess this will be exposed tomorrow but no I haven't and I mean from our guys everyone's blowing up about it I've got to say um I think everyone's looking at the first 15 and saying yep can see all that and then looking at the reserves and McComb there and and really scratching their head and wondering how on earth you got there. But it seems to be this thing uh, that Deans has, which is this loyalty that he places in people that seems to go beyond bounds. Like this loyalty seems to have jumped 18 months um, and ignored form and everything else. But he seems to have this incumbency thing, um, which is the only thing I can understand, um, you know, uh, as... uh, as being a way of describing it, do you think? I mean, that's that's all I can think of.
0: No, gee, you know, I tell you, I'm, it, I'm, this I'm, is it. I'm, I've tipped over the edge. I've joined Marto. He, he's working for the New Zealand Rugby Union. He doesn't want us to win the Lions Series. Seriously, I mean, like I said, this is so it's unjustifiable. This one.
1: Yeah, I'm with you more on actually what it does to the balance of the bench than anything else. I mean, Murray, what, what's it look like to you, mate, when you when you have a look at these at these selections on balance?
2: Yeah, I, I think I can kind of relate to your disbelief on the on the on that call because you know Declan Kidney, the the ex coach of Ireland, now he he kind of he, he rewarded players kind of for loyalty and he made some picks that we just didn't understand. That kind of you know he's very loyal to some players that weren't really in form or didn't really. Give an obvious advantage to the team, so I can kind of understand where you're coming from there. On the 13th thing, I, I don't know. There's yeah, there's no obvious cover there, but is there any chance that that he might move out O'Connor in that in that instance if the, if the if Ashley Cooper goes down injured? Because I thought one thing that kind of went unnoticed last weekend in the in you guys winning was that shocking kick by O'Connor right at the end when when the ball had been outside the 22 and it gave the lines another chance to win. Mm-hmm. I mean. Do you, do you want that guy in there at 10 when the game is on the line coming down to the last few minutes? I don't know.
1: Well, we, we, we've been talking about that selection for a long time, but I guess we've kind of grown to accept it <laughs> as in yes, that we know I, that, I guess the point is you
0: can throw anyone at 13 because mm. they'll all be in the yep. same boat. First game ever. Here you go. <laughs> stand there. Trust us. You just stand there and you just defend. It's, it's like normal position.
1: <laughs> uh, it's already... Okay, so so then let's just have a bit of a chat about what do we think this means then as far as how these guys are looking to play the game. Um, uh, do we see any changes? So, so far, what we've seen is um, a very high-tempo game uh, from the Wallabies. Um, not necessarily look to use that width as much as we thought they might have, um, but then not nearly as conservative as the Lions, who fell back into... Um, you know, pretty much just handing the ball back last week. Um, Murray, can you know? I think we might have touched on this a little bit with the selection. Do you think we're going to see something different this weekend with the Lions?
2: Yeah, I think they're going to add a little bit more variation. I think they have to really. I mean, mm. last last weekend didn't go to plan. They tried to play. You know, all the players said it. They tried to play a pretty. I suppose a negative game, kicking possession into the wildies half and and not really looking to spread the ball wide at all. So, I think they definitely need to to add a bit of a mixture to their game and, and look to counter-attack maybe just once or twice even. Anytime time Halfpenny got the ball, he was sending Gary Young straight back to the Wallabies. And I think that suits you guys because you know, you're know you such a good counter-attacking team with Follow and, and, and Beal in there. So I think the the Lions need to just keep the ball a bit more and and try and bring their wingers into the game. I mean, we didn't even see really... George North, I think, got one pass in the game. Hmm. And Tommy bolt the only time he touched it really was on kick chase. So they just... they're they look easy to defend at the moment because the ball is just going to the middle of the pitch and they're smashing into the Wallabies' defenders and, and the Wallabies are able to slow it down at the breakdown. It's, it's just too predictable at the moment. And I think Johnny Sexton is, has been looking a bit frustrated because you know he's, he's been limited by the game plan. And he's at his best when, he's, when the coach backs him to make decisions kind of in the spur of the moment almost. So, so how,
1: how much in, in your perspective do you think that has been... And this is the question we were kind of talking about in the last podcast... How much is is that because they've been missing, um, you know, a, a Jamie Roberts to do that punch and get them over the game line from which so much of their game plan um, kind of springs, you know, so, so that they can get the forwards around the corner and do all that sort of stuff. Um, how much has it just been? It's not been going to plan, and or which means that they've had to result to this territorial thing, or how much do you think that's what they've gone out and said they're going to do, if, if that makes sense? You know, how much of it's reactive or proactive that? That sort of thing. Have you got any feel for that in the way when you watch them?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, the first test, I think they did try to play a bit more rugby. And they definitely missed someone like Roberts there. Or even, obviously, he was injured. I I, I really wanted to see Sean O'Brien in the team. Just someone that could really carry hard, beat defenders, break tackles, and just get them onto the front foot. Because you saw, like, for the try, the Cuthbert try, I mean, that was three phases And you give it to one of the big wingers and they score, basically. It's a a simple formula Mm. as long as you get over the gain line. Um, In the second test, no, I don't think they tried to play as much rugby at all. That's pretty obvious in the way it meant meant they kicked the ball away. So, I mean, they have to find the right balance. You know, you don't want to be throw. Obviously, you know, Gallant has his game plan set out for a reason. They don't want to be throwing the ball around and make the game really loose because that's just going to suit the Wallabies, I think. So, Mm -hmm. it's about finding the right medium in between. Okay. And... um,
1: Scott, so that probably talks more about sort of a backline play. Uh, what do you think, um, you know, especially sort of set-piece-wise, there's some big changes that have been made here from the Lions, haven't there?
0: Yeah, so I think the Lions are saying, you know, we we expected in this series to dominate the set-piece and we haven't, um, and it's messing our game up, so we've got to really put some focus on that, so a real emphasis on set-piece. Um I think overall, as I said earlier, Gatlin's view, obviously, he's being more aggressive. He's taking the more, um, more gambles, more risks, and saying, you know, I want to go out and win this thing, and I'm prepared to throw caution to the wind to, to actually make that happen. Whereas Dean's is going back to the 2011 World Cup. He's constricting inwards. So he's saying, I'll get George Smith in to control the breakdown. All we're going to do is just take their ball off them, um, you know, I'll take out my more attacking back rower and I'll put in, you know, Smith is a good attacker, no problem. He's a link man, but he's not. he hasn't got the um, the dyna- dynamics that uh, Hooper's got. Mm. He's also then saying, you know, looking at the bench, I'm going to go 6-2. This is going to be a forwards war of attrition. And I'm going to bring McCallman in, who, you know, there's nothing um, that I would say is dynamic about McCallman. But he's, again, you know, keep everything nice and controlled and play a very tight forwards game. So I think Deans is contracting, uh, and I think Gatlin's sort of expanding and saying, we've got to play a more expansive game, we've got to get over the game line, we've got to win our set piece. And they're all, we've got to win, win, win. Whereas Deans is going, we can't lose our ball, you know, got to play it tight in the forwards. So... And look, I think that's the wrong approach. I think the Lions got that approach wrong last week. I think they played a very conservative game, as I said, not trying to lose. I think Deans is trying to pick a team not to lose here. Yeah, okay.
1: And I think because the other bit, you know, looking at that um, Lions front row is that, you know, I don't think we're going to get a lot of the joy we got last week um, with everything that was going on, uh, you know, between Youngs and uh, Vunapolo. You know, this is a much stronger front row, I think, if you've mentioned. So... You know, whereas we've got some real joy there, you know, if that's not there um, and we've contracted in, uh, we're starting, you know, starting to wonder where some of those points are going to come from. Um, okay, so that's, that's having a look at that. So the other talking point that's happened between since we last had a podcast um, uh, has been the whole Horwell thing. So now, obviously, we've talked about it from an Aussie point of view. And I think, Scott, I think your point was actually you were surprised to see the first time around that he didn't walk away with something. Um, but then our discussion was, but you know, how do you do it? You know, how much sense does it make though to have a second time round? And how is that, um, going to be really, um, how is that a sensible precedent to be setting? Um, Murray, how are things, I mean, you, you've been scanning the media. Has people, have people come down on it? Is it, is it in the past? Yes. Or is it still fan, fanning the flames over there or up
2: there? Yeah. Well, well, up until this morning, it was still being widely discussed and, yeah, kinda of similar reaction to the other thing. A bit of a bit of anger. Yeah. Um, because it's just yeah, the the first de- de- decision was made, but um it's just been a messy situation with the IRB getting involved and I mean it just kinda of give us gave us another another few days to look at that incident and just, just wonder how Harwell has got away with it really. Mm-hmm. To us I, I haven't seen anyone involved with the British or, British and Irish lines or any supporters here think that that Harwell should have got away with it, but so so it's pretty uh, pretty unanimous here that that we can't believe that he'll be playing in the third test. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's hard to say if the Lions are going to kind of be motivated by this, the fact that he's kind of got away with it or whether, it, whether you, it unites the Wallabies more and gives them an extra little bit of motivation having their captain there. So, yeah, it's a really interesting one. But definitely the reaction here has been, has been almost outrage again, really. Uh, but
1: how's the feeling, though, which is that, I mean, I, I've heard it, People talk about it in so many ways. So, my point was, um, and I said it on Twitter, and I kind of had a bit of a running argument with, I think, two Welshmen um, and a, a and an Irishman, two of which were, were lawyers, I believe. Um, and so, we were having this discussion, and I was saying, look, at the end of the day, whether you, regardless of whether you thought he should have got time in the first place, so putting that to one side, my point was, um, and it's this thing, I think Bill Pulver's come out with it today, saying that he thinks the whole double jeopardy court, uh, idea is crazy. You know, if you've given, you know, you've tried the guy with your officer once, um, why are you doing it for a second time um, sort of thing? And where does that leave you? Because either you overturn what your first officer says and say, we had no confidence in that. um, And you outrage all those people who, you know, have been involved in that. Or if you then, you know, if you do over, um, and if, or if you, sorry, if you don't overturn it, Um, then you're sort of, you know, rubbing salt into the wounds of those people, um, in this case, uh, the people, the Lions supporters. Um, I've heard other people say, well, you know, actually it's worked out pretty well. The Aussies are happy because the has got off and, you know, the the British and Irish Lions supporters are are happy because at least you've had a second look. Uh, But to me, that's not ringing true from what you've said. You know, it, it doesn't sound like you guys are feeling any happier just because there's been a second look and he's off again.
2: No, no, I don't think so. But, um... Part of the kind of reaction has been just what a mess it's all, all been made of it. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the incident, I, <laughs> there's no point going back over again because I don't think anyone's feelings here are going to change on what actually happened. But yeah. just the whole process of it, yeah. I mean, when, when, we heard, when I heard that the IRB were getting involved, I almost presumed that that meant that Harwell was going to get a ban. Mm. But um, just the fact that they got involved and that didn't happen, yeah. It's been more the process that's been talked about in the, in the last few days than, than the actual decision the second time round. Mm. It's just been really messy and they just, you know, they need to not let that kind of thing happen again where they're stepping on their own toes almost.
1: Yeah. I know, Scott, I mean, you know, we were both gobsmacked that he would have got off, to be honest. I mean, having them instigated this review.
0: Yeah, well, I guess the pleasing thing we talked about it the other night was that, you know, would it be argued on a legal argument or would it be argued on... Was he guilty or not? You know, in a court of law, without going into you know, too much detail, you've got to prove you've got to provide new evidence, or you've got to show that the decision was just so manifestly wrong that it should be overturned. Um, I sort of got the impression from this that we were going to see basically a rehearing of the evidence. When you look at the decision and the way it was announced, that's not what happened. What we've seen is it's a judge who has come in and said. Um, one, is there any new evidence? No, there's no new evidence. Two, is was the decision so wrong that it should be able to be overturned? Well, no, someone made a judgment. I can't show you where this bloke, you know, ignored some evidence that he should have looked at, the first guy, Hampton. Mm. Um, so it's been run like a, you know, a normal appeal in a court of law. So this hasn't really been decided on whether he was guilty or not. It's been decided on whether you were entitled to, sorry, whether the decision could be overturned according to law. Yeah. And, I mean, that's what an appeal should be. You can't rehear things twice. That's, that's the whole double jeopardy thing. Mm. You know, there's got to be something so wrong or there's got to be some evidence that wasn't heard in the first place for you to reopen a hearing. And effectively, he said, neither of those things apply. Yeah. So, I, I think it would have been grossly unfair if they had basically reheard the thing. Mm. Start at the beginning and go all the way through. Really, his view was, you, you give me all the evidence and I've got to look at it and say, well, you're telling me this camera angle says that. That's the same argument used first time round and it was considered. Yeah. So therefore, I have to look at it and say, you know, that's a judgment call. Mm. Did, he, did he look at it and say, oh, camera angle six, I'm not going to look at it because I don't like it? Mm. In which case, you might have been able to say, well, he should have considered camera angle six, so therefore I'm going to look at camera angle six, and that shows that the decision was wrong.
1: Mm.
0: So, so it, it was decided on legal terms rather than guilty or not. So yeah. maybe that's why people aren't happy because, you know, it, it was done on legalistic terms rather than let's say, rehear the whole case.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, well, anyway, one way or another, I mean, what what drama we've had uh, all week and, and over that and only to be spun on yet again today. Um, so, well, so, so, so that's that. Um, we move forward. Uh, I'm just trying to think anything else we haven't covered off and where we are off the lines at the, at the moment, I guess. Uh, I think that's just about oh, yeah. it We've
0: got to cover off the holiday they're having. The holiday? I <laughs> forgot about that. Well, they're on in Noosa on holiday, aren't they? They're <laughs> at the surf. They don't want to go near the, what was it, the metropolis of Sydney and I forget yeah. what the words they used. <laughs> I don't know. Is that the right decision? You've got the biggest, you know, the deciding test match and, you know, the guys are having not a holiday, but they're having a bit of a break. It's a it's a more a relaxed week than they've had on tour. Mm. Is that a good idea because it's the end of the tour, They they could be getting burnt out? I mean, it was booked months ago. Maybe they thought they'd be two 0 up, so this was a party week. Well, that's but... what I was going to say,
1: Murray. Do you think they were that confident? They thought this was going to be uh, that they weren't going to really have to try the too hard this weekend.
2: No, I don't think that really comes into it. But um, I, I think it actually it makes sense at this stage because, to me, in the maybe the last thirty minutes of the second test, the Lions look really tired. I mean, they asked the two second rows to play the the full game, which was a pretty big ask. But uh, even like O'Driscoll himself. Uh, in maybe last 20 minutes I thought O'Driscoll was kind of he wasn't walking around but he wasn't he wasn't moving around the pitch as freely as he had for the for the start of the match I think some of the lines are really tired and it's kind of something that people supporting the Lions forget that you know the, the players have been playing for almost 10 months now so it's 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 definitely an advantage to the Wallabies because they're that little bit fresher and I think yeah I think two days on the beach and chilling out in Noosa is it's probably a good call at this time. I think. Mm. Oh, I saw them on the jet skis. They look happy. Um... Is
0: there a Hungry Jacks at Noosa? Maybe they've been <laughs> out getting burgers like Curtly and Jock.
1: <laughs> well, no, they've learnt from that, mate. So even though so, it's, I, I found that hilarious, actually, that whole bit where James O'Connor came out and gave a bit of a statement saying, "Look, we've learned from it and moved on," but I remember him saying the same thing after he slept through a, you know, an alarm to go. You remember that when you know, to give the photo call. So the thing I can understand is that he only learns from each individual experience, right? So
0: um... He won't make the exact same mistake again. Exactly. It's not not yeah. a variation of it. It's got to be exactly the same mistake. They're so might... next time if he goes to McDonald's, he'll yeah. be able to say, no, no, but I didn't go to Hungry Jack's. Exactly,
1: yeah. <laughs> but we've learned from that. So he would have learned from that one at that point. So, yeah, he's got a few more to do then, I guess. He's got a few other things he can stuff up yet. Yeah. Um, I think that's about it for the Lions. I mean, unless some other breaking thing happens um, uh, tomorrow that we're not aware of as, as of now. Um, the only other thing, Scott, is um, some great news, which basically unfolded last weekend. Uh, without having to fire a shot, uh, you, know, it, we've, you know, we've managed to get, well, in the last couple of weeks, we've managed to get two teams into the uh, Super Rugby Finals, right?
0: That's right. Um, the Blues were still alive uh, to knock out the Reds, uh, until the last minute of the game against the Sharks the other night. But because the Sharks beat them, there's still some permutations that could happen as to which teams will be in. But what is confirmed is the Reds cannot be knocked out of the finals. So we will have both... The Brumbies will win... Well, yeah, they will. Let's say they will win the Australian Conference and mm-hmm. will therefore... It looks like they'll finish third um, because it would appear that the Chiefs and the Bulls will both finish one and two... Um, but we will have the Reds in fourth, fifth or sixth. Mm. So we've got two in, and you know what? It looks like if, if results went exactly as you wanted them to, you'd need a draw between, I think, the Cheetahs and the Blues. Um, the Tars could miss out by, I think it's one point or maybe two points. Mm. So we went very close to getting three in, Still need a few things to happen to get three close, but we've definitely got two in, which is great news.
1: Yeah, I've got those points the tires left with teams like the Rebels and things like that. Oh, good.
0: Um, It looks like only one game. If they'd kicked either the kick against the Crusaders or the kick against the Rebels, they were a chance to be a third Australian team in the finals. Oh, gosh.
1: Anyway, well, what a a first season that would have been. Um, Murray,
2: did you you manage to follow much of the Super Rugby this year? Yeah, I've been following it quite closely, actually. um, it's kind of growing in popularity in Ireland, at least. Anyway, um, yeah, we've been really impressed with the Australian teams, obviously. Uh, particularly interesting for us, probably, is the Brumbies with uh, with Larry Fisher there involved, yeah. Because he spent uh, he was he was with Munster for a while, and I think he was highly rated by the players, but it didn't really work out on the pitch for Munster at that time. Mm-hmm. It was a difficult kind of. It was the start of this uh, transition phase, I suppose, where they're kind of shedding all the old experienced players and bringing in new guys but um, yeah he seems to be doing a brilliant job over there and from what I can see you know he's being credited with a lot of a lot of good work individually with the players as well as as well as with the forwards at the Brumbies so yeah. it's interesting interesting to see a guy who he didn't obviously he didn't fail at Munster but just maybe never got going as much as he would have hoped do so well back in Australia it's great well, to see and if it's not him that you're following it's Michael Chekka right? yeah exactly yeah <laughs> he's definitely one for Leinster fans to keep an eye on and yeah, the Taz they've been you know, they've been impressive on in and out. a few bad games, a few good games, they're kinda a little bit more inconsistent than the than the Brumbies and the Reds. But uh, he was a guy who was maybe not a divisive figure either, but someone who the Leinster fans, you know, owe a lot to for the early success. But I think he was never quite accepted the way Joe Schmidt has been really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's definitely want to keep an eye on for us as well, like. Uh, well I we, mean we've really turned I mean Ireland's really turned into our um sort
1: of uh, I don't know training ground for our for our coaches because then there's you've we've also got um uh, t- you know Tony McGann um who's yeah. in the current wallabies setup um as the what was his title again Scott is it director of coaching or something or um
0: coaching coordinator Coaching
1: coordinator um, <laughs> um and then Les Kiss who's
2: over there at the moment and even had his hat in the ring for the main job Yeah yeah Le- Les is um He's been involved yeah, with the our squad for a while now and they kind of cleared out all the backroom staff but it looks like Joe Schmidt has, has singled out Les Kiss to keep on and keep him involved so he's obviously highly rated by the players and, and by Schmidt himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony McGann another interesting one yeah he was he was uh, he worked with Laurie Fisher obviously at Munster and again he, you know he did a lot of really good work but it never quite kind of click together on the pitch in terms of silverware. Mm-hmm. He did, did brilliant work, though, with the, with the Munster Academy, I have to say. Guys like Conor Murray and Simon Zebo uh, are products of all that hard work he did. He, he just kind of set standards for the young players that maybe hadn't been there before. Mm-hmm. And he kind of he brought in the, the, the attitude of, you know, the young guys coming in, training in the senior squad, you have to be better than, than these Irish internationals you're training with. You have to beat them on the training pitch if you want to be on my team. So mm-hmm. I think... In terms of, yeah, the mindset of younger guys in Monster, he was absolutely brilliant. Okay.
1: And now, mate, we should, before we go, we should mention, um, you know, where can people see your work? So, what I'll do is, if you don't mind, I'm probably going to embed that video that you've got of Brian O'Driscoll um, on the same post as this podcast so people can see that. But otherwise, I know you've got a a blog. Um, What's that called again? The blog is
2: touchlinerogbe.com. Okay, brilliant. Uh, Uh,
1: and is there anywhere else you're writing, or is, is that
2: where you're focused at the moment? Yeah, I'm doing a bit of stuff with, uh, with an Irish newspaper, The Examiner, and um, I would do a blog for Elvery Sports uh, over here. But the best place is probably just follow me on, on Twitter. It's Murray underscore Kinsella. So um, I, I post up all my work there, so it's the easiest place to, to keep an eye on stuff I'm doing. Excellent. Or as Aussies would uh, pronounce it, Kinsella. Um, yeah, that's... But I'm <laughs> sure you say, you're saying it the right way.
1: I'm just saying it the way that we, we would butcher it. Um, I would hope so. <laughs> only because there's a go, good can sell us, so that's how people will know
0: it. <laughs> can I just add my comment on there? I, I've looked at lots of what Murray does, and it's fantastic, guys. It's well worth a look. Yeah, and I very so- much.
2: I've been, I, I obviously have to say I've been absolutely loving the green and gold rugby stuff. I mean, I think it's really picking. You're picking up a lot of support over here in Ireland, anyway. I can definitely see that on Twitter. People are kind of tweeting about your articles and talking about your stuff. So it's been really interesting to get uh, the other side of the other side of the coin during the Lions tour. Excellent. No, likewise. That's been great. So there you go. Nice little love in to finish.
1: So just to finish <laughs> off, mate, um, where let's finish off where where and how we're we going to be watching it. So Murray, I mean, it's going to be the morning for you, right?
2: Yeah, it's it's a, yeah eleven a.m. eleven five a.m. kickoff in the morning. So uh-huh. uh, I mean, we've been for the for the first two tests, I've been down the pub with the with my friends. So I think it'll be a similar thing again. The beginning, the beginning of a very long messy day. Yeah, it's 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 been it's been that kind of case for the last uh, two weekends anyway. Get down early, get breakfast in, and get a pint of Guinness in front of you, and and that's the day. Yeah, excellent, Scott. What about you, mate? Uh,
0: well, mate, I'll be at home because uh. it worked last week with my <laughs> with my wall- current Wallabies jersey on, <laughs> standing up, pacing as as uh, that last kick was on, walking around the room, going, you know, Missed it noonin, miss it noon and miss <laughs> it um, noon and. But hey, Murray, what's your pick?
2: Uh, I hate to be such a negative uh, Lions supporter, but I think the Wallabies are going to win. I, I, I've, I've told all along there was going to be 2-1 to the Wallabies and just the way the momentum has gone, and I just—I I I, I haven't been too impressed with how the Lions have played in the first two tests. I'm, I hate to say it, but I'm going for a Wallabies win. Oof, brave, brave, man. brave man. I know, we'll I know. The, I'm going to get castigated for that. but Mainly, this, think, mainly think in Australian audience. Yeah, but, um, yeah, obviously, look, I, I, I absolutely hope the Lions win. I'll be shouting, shouting for them and backing them in every single play. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I hope they can come through. And I hope Galland doesn't, uh, doesn't live to regret his team selection. <laughs> and, Scott, what are you going to go, go with, mate? Head or heart?
0: Mate, all the momentum with the Wallabies. But the Lions are positive. They're going to win. And, unfortunately, Ben McKelman, defending at 13, will miss the tackle for the try that wins it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I must admit, I was... Must- oh, unfortunately, I do think the Lions will win. <laughs> yeah? Just a stronger team? I, I just... Yeah, look, to me, that's the most threatening test side they've put out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think they've played pretty poorly the first two tests. I think you you used the term headroom um, last week. I think they've got a lot more headroom to improve than the Wallabies have. Mm-hmm. I think the Wallabies have played really well the first two games. And if they play to that level, which I think is you know, probably where they're at, next week um, or this weekend, the Lions will have to continue to play poorly for the Wallabies to win and I don't see them having three poor games in a row.
1: Well, do you know what I think that we can probably all agree on, though? If anything, these last two tests have told us is that there's not going to be much between them. Would you yeah. guys agree with that? I think, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah um, it's going to be one score again, I think, definitely. Yeah, it's going to be kicks. Like miss, I told you, McKelman will
0: miss the tackle defending at 13. That's the only thing that will decide it. <laughs> or well,
1: maybe he'll stand up and hit the kick from 50 metres. <laughs> uh, maybe that's the reason, mate. Maybe that's what we don't know. We don't know that he's a long, long,
0: uh,
1: long-range specialist. Anyway, look, I'm... I'm... Well,
0: I'll let you in on a secret then, will I? <laughs> he's not a long-range specialist, but I'll tell you, I understand he's a drop goal specialist.
1: Ah, well, like all good forwards <laughs> like should be. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that
0: must be the thing we don't know. <laughs>
1: anyway, well, look, um, I can't stop, I can't leave off without saying that, um, showing off a bit and saying I'm actually going to be there. Um, and it's going to be, I mean, what a, what a historic, whichever way it goes, I think it's going to be a really historical test. Um, and, uh, wow, what an exciting way to finish off. It's, you know, this is, one way or another, it's turned out to be such a nail-biter of a series. And let's just hope this last test lives up to, you know, the entertainment the last two have been for for various reasons but um anyway look murray great to have you on thanks for, for coming on mate
2: thanks a million for having
1: me really enjoyed it and made a best team win yep yeah, well said mate scott do your pacing wear your jersey make it work for us mate
0: the jersey came out of the wash today the scarf is ready i will have as much gold as i've got on and i will be yeah i won't be sitting down i'll be pacing the floor
2: Good one.
1: All right, so, and everybody coming on Murray. Yeah, and everybody else listening or downloading. Uh, again, uh, whichever side of the fence you're on, made the best team win. Um, and um, thanks very much for listening. And um, well, well, whichever way it goes, we'll speak to you afterwards. Okay, bye for now.
0: See everyone.